The first lesson for today is from Genesis chapter 50. This will also serve as the basis for the sermon this morning. Genesis has 50 chapters and this closes out the book of Genesis. It's almost like you can't finish this account without this story. And guess what? It's a story of forgiveness as Joseph's brothers continue to reel from the guilt of what they did to Joseph so many years ago. Uh, we get to see what Joseph says to them. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you, to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the ways I, I approach preaching a sermon is to remind myself that life and death is always hanging in the balance. Remember how last week we talked about bringing your brother's keeper and things get so um, serious and real and meaningful to us with such richness, an all-in kind of environment. When you recognize Scripture is pressing something into your hand, into your soul, that is life and death. Now I want you to think about the scenario and the circumstances under which Joseph and his brothers found themselves. Because they're not unfamiliar to those that we have all the time. Put two sinners in a room and you are going to need reconciliation. If you have two people that can't follow God's will for your life, you're going to have people that cause harm and trouble and turmoil in someone else's life. We are pain bringers. We are destruction makers. And sin shouldn't be viewed in any other way. But what is a marvel is what God's word does with that pain. So let's say that you recognize that there are the two parties that we have in both Joseph and in his brothers, and that sometimes you're the offender, and sometimes you're the one offended. Sometimes you're the wrongdoer, and sometimes you're the one who's been wronged, right? Joseph has had a world of pain. 
ever since he was growing up under the sunshine of his father's favoritism, right? And he had that love and that warmth. He was in a great environment and he was soaking it up and maybe to a fault where he probably pushed that button all too often in his brother's faces. So they came back and they wronged him. They were young, foolish, and they were upset. And they got rid of their brother. They threw him into a pit. Then they said, you know what? Let's not throw him into a pit. Let's sell him off. We'll even make some money off of it, right? And so they sold him off. You you see the two sides. You've got the wrongdoers and you've got the one wronged. And for Joseph, that meant being sold away, leaving all that was familiar to you, leaving the umbrella of your father's love and protecting care, leaving the land of the promise, leaving the family of worship and your Sunday school and Bible class environment, your spiritual encouragers that would be around you at home, and being cast off, sold away with the theme, we don't want you, running between your ears. And then he's not only sold off, but he gets to Potiphar's house, and you know kind of how this went down, down, down and got deeper and deeper for Joseph. He's in Potiphar's house and he's serving there and Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape. And so he's thrown in jail. Now he's sitting in the, and if you can imagine what it's like being the wronged party and for him to have an opportunity to brood. But the other story we don't hear and follow so much is what was it like for the, the brothers to live with what they had done to Joseph? You don't get to hear that. And that's where there's a growing awareness that we want to have, not just for justice, justice, justice. You wronged and somebody's hurt and that should never happen again. And this is where we jump to. This is what we know well. This is like natural knowledge of right and wrong. We spring into action. We circle the wagons. And if you violate a life, if you violate right and wrong and you hurt somebody else, you should be punished and you should pay for that. There should be retribution, right? Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. It just it just cycles through as what's natural, and we, and we get that. But what, what we grow in today is how there is another pain, and God cares about it. Maybe there are some people, they really don't care about the damage they brought into your life by their behavior. But there are others, and it may take years, who come to a new awareness of the pain that they, call, they caused, and they hurt. So there becomes a pain tug of war. And a Joseph who says, I'm hurting and I want others to hurt because of it. Actually, he, I never find that on the pages of Scripture. I'm sure he was hurting, but he never brings it back, <clears throat> pounds it back to his brothers, does he? He never does it. He never does it. He sees his brothers again. And after learning of their sorrow and their contrition and how they felt about what they did to Joseph. He learned about that and he hugged them and he kissed them and he restored them and he says, come and live with me in Egypt. These are beautiful chapters of scripture that teach us something. Joseph wasn't acting on his own, but the word of God does something unique in that whole wronged and retribution environment. God's word comes in and it does circle the wagons. And I want you to see that. God's word does speak to the wrongdoer. 
God's word does step in as a protective shield and says, that's my creature you violated. You were hating on one of mine. You were bullying my child. Not just a child or a student. You are mistreating one of my own. God thinks that way about his entire creation. My gifts, my people, my place, my time. It's all mine. It all comes back to me. And God's word steps in in such a protective way and it says it's do's and it says it's do nots for a reason because God is about all of this wealth and health of life, a rich view of relationships. So he steps in there and he speaks to the wrongdoer. He says, that was wrong. You sinned against my will, my dream, my vision for life in this world. And he shields it. He says, don't. And cursed. God does that. I want you to see how his word does that. But what God's word does that is also so unique is the person crushed and overwhelmed. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I do not deserve to be called your child. When it gets to that length and that breadth and the other pain, the other pain that we're learning about today, the pain of the wrongdoer, as it grows and it swells and it recognizes what I, what debt I have to God and what debt I have to my neighbor and I can never repay. And here you have his brothers falling on their knees in front of Joseph and they say, we're your slaves. We're never going to pay this off. Just like in Jesus' parable, right? You know what God's word does? Let's party. I love you. Come on. Give me a hug. And it's over. I forgive you is the instantaneous words from the lips of God to sinners. Joseph is not doing his own thing. He is living an expression of his faith. He is giving something that's bigger than himself as he speaks words of comfort to his brothers. Let's come back into the depth of this uh, of this scene. It's good to remember how many years has passed. Do you know that when Joseph went into Egypt and was accused of rape and was imprisoned and then eventually raised to be second, right? Second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Joseph also got married and Joseph had kids. Are you keeping track of the years that have taken place since Joseph last saw his brothers? You know, no wonder they couldn't recognize him once, you know, because it's probably, could have been 15, 20 years. I don't think we're given a full timeline in Scripture to, like, lay it all out or I'd share it with you. But eventually he sees his brothers again. They don't recognize him. He restores them. He says, come and live here where there's food so you don't die from the famine. And they do. And they bring Jacob, the father, who gets to see Joseph again. They get to worship together. They get to do Bible class and Sunday school with all the kids again. And it's just a wonderful, beautiful thing. And we're told that Jacob lived there in Egypt with Joseph for 17 more years. That's 17 years of reconciled party. That is 17 years of extra forgiveness and love and kindness day in and day out that they could share with one another as they lived in the same area. And I want you to hear what happens before we say goodbye to this family and this story in Genesis. 
It's like Moses says, people of God, you need to hear this. 17 years of being together again. And his brothers at the passing of their father Jacob said, what if? What if Joseph holds a grudge? What if this has just been 17 years of because dad's still alive? Because dad's still here out of respect for him, Joseph is being nice and playing nice. But as soon as respect for dad is gone, as soon as like dad is out of the picture, Joseph is going to finally reveal his true colors. And he's going to let out what he has been holding back. What if? Satan loves that kind of guilt party. The guilt party is not a good one. He loves it when these thoughts of shame and overwhelmed by wrongs you can't ever right will come back and haunt you for the rest of your life. I want you to hear those words because that was 17 years later. This is what they said to themselves. What if? I want you to think about the person who says to their, their mother who's now a grandmother, you know, when I was a teenager, I didn't know how much it hurt you for me to talk back to you and yell in a conversation. But now that I have a rebellious teen of my own, I get it, and I'm sorry. Do you hear that? Their past behavior comes back fresh. It comes back new and with a vengeance and with a pain they didn't have before. His brothers are like, we didn't understand. We didn't get it. What does Jesus say at the cross to his heavenly father? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Did they really get what they were doing? And what was it going to be like when Peter proclaimed on Pentecost and you crucified him? And they were torn up about it. And Peter said, this is the word we get to preach. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And he said it. And it was instant. But do you hear how it all, it all came back anew? Do you really understand the sins? Do you really know the pain? Does a bully really get what that one label, what that one title that they threw into your day means to you still now? The pain that it might cause? Do you fully understand that what you did or what you said or the look that you gave, how that has wreaked havoc and caused pain in someone else's life? And it's like by growing up, by gaining experiences, sometimes you hear the story of others where they, they give a version of their, of their story and, and they say, yeah, this person did this to me and it just broke me. And you're thinking to yourself in the back of your mind, that's the exact same thing I did to someone else. And now your eyes, by like having this sideways conversation, this roundabout way to returning to your past, you suddenly relive it and understand, that's, that's what I did. Does a spouse ever fully get how much an argument can hurt? Sometimes it comes up much later they're still thinking about that one conversation 
and you didn't realize that what you said is totally off your radar, you come into a full awareness of it. The more we confess our sins, though I, I should say it, the more aware of the confession that needs to be made, the more it hurts. And what comes off our lips on a Sunday morning? We don't play games when we confess our sins on a Sunday morning. I do not deserve to be called your child. I have sinned against you in thought, word, and action, and I deserve hell. There's a reason we say it fully and completely. Because otherwise, there's a danger that someday you're going to come into a more full awareness of it, and you're going to think about hell in a way you hadn't thought of before. Is that that's the place I deserve. And we would not have healed that hurt. Because that's what God's word rushes to do. Not only do I want you to hear the pain of their what if that has lingered so long and can linger in your mind and can linger in your friends' minds because that's the pain that sin causes and the guilt of sin can cause just as much, but I also want you to see what happened to Joseph. He wept. It's breaking. It's breaking his heart to see his brothers weep like this. And I want you to know where that comes from. Because when someone's on their knees, trembling in despair, after what they have done to you, and it still tortures them to this very day, and they say, will you ever forgive me for this? I hope you weep. Because God does in that moment. He says, that despair is not right. And I have given a word, and I have sent my son, and I sent the angels to proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to lift you up from your knees so you would look me in the eye again and I can call you child and you would call me father. That's what I want. Not, I am your slave. I will remain indebted to you and this will never be paid off. It doesn't, God says, no. No, I want a party. And Joseph wept because he realized they were still bothered and overcome by sin and it tortured him to think that they couldn't celebrate being whole in his presence. Now I want you to translate in that into every relationship you have. You are this sponge that's going to say, let every pain and tortured soul come to me and it'll just be soaked up and die. I can be the end to your pain. How, what do I need to say? What do I need to do to underscore the seriousness and the strength and the veracity of my love for you and the peace that we enjoy together? How do I communicate reconciliation? God thought that way. And just as his angels rejoice over one sinner who repents, think of the party. The angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. So it is. A God who says, how are you going to know that I forgive you? How are you going to know that all of your sins have been cast aside? That they are, forgiveness is what? Sent away and out of sight. And over and over and over again, the scriptures pull back the curtain and shove in front of your eyes the cross of your Lord Jesus Christ.
And so you need to see this again. Do you know what he says there? Not just, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But you've forsaken me. And the blood that falls from our Savior's face is a blood that is suffering a death we deserve. And he is suffering a a hell that we deserve. And Jesus always says, this is the word. God's scripture always points and says, this is the word. This is what it's all about. And it takes us to Christ and him crucified. And it lets us see, how are you going to know that I forgive you? It lets you see, look, there it is. Go in peace. One, some early conversation I had with Tasha was about the Lord's Supper. And she was just sharing with me how, what it meant for her to hear the words at the end of the Lord's Supper, all is forgiven. Go in peace. That word forgiven. It's, it's the word of all the things we celebrate as Christians, of all the things we get to do and say, who's sitting in the pew today without the word forgiveness? Who's here without that precious word that comes from our God's lips? Take and eat my body and my blood given for you, shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. I send them away. Let's party in the restoration you have for Jesus' sake. Nobody's here. We are nothing, we have nothing without that word. And then these people, these few people, God says this to a world. God has done this for the whole world and he doesn't care where they come from or what they've done. Whenever they fall on their knees, he says, get up, get up, you're my child. Get up, get up, I forgive you. And we do this for a, a few people in life are going to come and they're gonna say, I'm indebted to you. I am so sorry for what I did. And what are you going to say? It's all right. Are you going to give like the half? I'm going to a little reserve. I'm going to show you some of my pain on my face. I'm going to show you some of the pain on my face. Yeah, that really stung. Are you going to like, you know, kind of just like tease it, tease it just a little bit? Or are you going to say, come here. Let me love you. What do I need to do to show you? This is the calling that it is to be a Christian. It's to spring up at the words of repentance and sorrow over what we do to each other, the pain that we cause. It's to spring up and heal, to spring up and comfort, to, to jump up and down and say, Let's, I, I weep that you are tortured. Don't be tortured anymore. Forgiveness is too good a thing. The forgiveness of God is too wonderful. I forgive you. I forgive you all smiles, all hugs, all service and love. I, you are not my slave. I, I have a debt of love to you because of my heavenly father and I long, I long to give that out. I long to pay that back. Let me love on you as God does. That's the party worth living. So brothers and sisters, take to heart the words of Joseph as he points his brothers away from what they had done to what God does. We're not in the place of God. I'm going to let God deal with sin and vengeance his way. You know what God is actually doing? He's working this for good. I don't need to get in the way. I don't need to protect myself from the pain. God is my defender and protector. He steps out into the, and he's working this for good. Look what's happening, the saving of many lives. He does that with all things. And he does that for us. Let's party. And forgive as God forgives. Amen.